wonderful to be able to worship with you. And this weekend, and this, this week rather, as I was thinking about kind of this message and the series that we're in, uh, the phrase that kind of came to my mind uh, is worship that spills over. And I think what I see as I look around our church family, what we pray for is that, is that the worship that is sort of this internal connection with the heart of the Father would, would not stay an internal thing, but would actually spill over. And we're seeing that even now in a lot of really sort of specific ways. I'm, I'm grateful for Pastor Aiden. He's the guy that was doing the hosting this morning and led us in some announcements. But Aiden is our uh, associate pastor of outreach. And so a lot of what he's been doing is just trying to put fuel on the right fires to help us as a church to see how can we be the hands and feet of Christ in our community. So I'm grateful for him. I'm grateful for the way in which God is using him and using many of you in our church family. We had the announcement about the Feed My Starving Children food pack, uh, and I brought a couple of pictures that I'll just put up there. We're gonna give a little more formal sort of update to you about those things later on, but that was so great to see this facility being used uh, in a wonderful way to make an impact in the world. So many of you bringing people in and uh, having an opportunity to get your, your hands dirty, not dirty, hands though because we washed our hands to pack food uh, but I mean this is a literal making an, an impact in the heart and the life of hungry kids I mean you can't get a whole lot more practical than that the fact that we reached our goals surprised me only in that we were sort of behind in the the, the slots filling up and everything and so I was in the very last shift uh, Amy and I were and our kids and uh, we actually they made an announcement they said the boxes that are under your table that's all the boxes we have left to fill so when those ones are done this project is basically done and so we were able to be part of that bringing it home kind of experience and uh, really really cool so thank you to everybody that was involved with the Feed My Starving Children food pack and uh, I sincerely hope and believe we will do that again uh, we look forward to that uh, thinking about the front yard mission uh, invite that you were given a donuts in the driveway thing let me just encourage you that is a really simple thing 20 of you there's 20 kits that you can get 20 families just saying we want to be a part of that that feels like low-hanging fruit uh, the donuts in the driveway event was one of the best events that our family never did uh, and by that I mean we uh, intended to do it and then we all got sick with COVID in the time that we were going to do it so we told our neighbors like uh, maybe don't come because uh, we don't want to share that with you uh, and so we didn't do it but the reason I said it was such a great event even though we didn't do it is that the impact that it had in our neighborhood and even other neighbors that are a little farther out that we didn't know like made their way to us to say hey you guys doing okay which was cool introduced themselves we got to to connect with them a little bit so it's a very simple way uh to be uh connected and we're actually doing a neighborhood event uh this weekend already so uh, we hope that you would take part in the donuts in the driveway thing makes it really easy for you to invite and connect build some relationships uh, worship that spills over that's what we're talking about next week when we do our outdoor service we're doing baptisms I mean that's worship that spills over right there you know we're talking about lives being changed and impacted and we pray for more and more of that so um, I just wanted to share that with you today uh, in our message I want to talk about sort of the condition of your heart uh, with regard to worship at this point in the series, we're, we're three weeks into the series entitled Draw Near, uh, this teachings on worship, and, and I want to ask you just a vital question. I want you to just to wrestle with it a little bit, and that is, do I really believe this? That's actually a really healthy question to ask. It doesn't have to be coming from a place of doubt or defeat, but do I really believe this? I find it interesting that Hebrews 11 
6, it says, Without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. And I, even as a child, I remember hearing that verse and saying like, isn't that kind of understood though? Like, I mean, like to worship God that you don't believe exists? But it's a, it's a, it's a heart check kind of question. Do I really believe this? And specifically, I would say it this way. Do I really believe that the Almighty God, creator of the universe, has opened the door to a restored relationship through the death and resurrection of his son and invited me to be a part of his redeemed creation that would draw near to his presence in a dynamic and ongoing, purposeful, sacrificial, and life-giving kind of way. Do we really believe that? I want you to think of today's message as a heart check Sort of in the same way when you go to the doctor, you know, they check your vitals, they check your pulse, they check your blood pressure, they, they want to make sure that your heart is in good shape, among other things. Because I, I guess I would say it this way, you could, uh, you could have a good heart, it doesn't ensure that you couldn't have another problem. But an unhealthy heart means that all of you is in some level of trouble, Right? So today's a message from Hebrews chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, you can flip over there. All of these messages that we've been doing on worship, we've been taking out of the, the book of Hebrews, not because the rest of the Bible doesn't talk about worship, but actually because it's a beautiful focal point that shows us the old and the new and the, the old covenant and the new covenant and all of these things finding their meaning in Christ. And so in Hebrews 3, this section actually begins talking about Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses. You know, talking about what was in the Old Covenant, Jesus is given a greater honor. So he talks about that. Uh, and then in verse 7 is where we're actually going to pick up today, and it's entitled in some of your translations, A Warning Against Unbelief. And so I want to bring this into this place of how do we check our hearts today in worship. So may God's word bring that to us in a special way. It reads this way, verse 7 of Hebrews 3 and following. So as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness where your ancestors tested and tried me. Though for 40 years they saw what I did, that is why I was angry with that generation. I said, their hearts are always going astray. And they have not known my ways. So I declared an oath in my anger. They shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. And as has just been said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. So may God add blessing to the reading of his word today. So just real quick review. The first week we talked about this invitation to draw near, that, that something in your life actually comes to life when you enter into the presence of God. And so that shouldn't be an odd thing. It shouldn't be a scary thing. It may be a difficult thing. Sometimes we would say, I don't understand. I'm not sure how to enter into the presence of God. But Hebrews actually gives us the invitation to approach the throne of grace. So we talk about that invitation. We live in that invitation. We live out of that invitation. 
The second week we talked about that we enter in to the presence of God through a new and better covenant. That the old covenant, uh, Hebrews 8.13 says, the old covenant is passed away. It's obsolete is actually the word that it used. And I use the example with you about our communication that we, none of us use payphones anymore. In fact, it's hard to even find one. Monday morning, I get a text from one of my elders, little picture and says, found one basically and sent me this picture right here. <laughs> I found a payphone. And then he sent me a second text. He said, and I checked, it had no dial tone. <laughs> it didn't work. It, it wasn't working at all. So obsolete, just sort of proving that thing right. Last week in looking at the old covenant and the new covenant fulfilled in Christ and initiated by Christ as described in Hebrews, a few important things begin to take shape that informs our understanding and practice of worship. Like, what are we actually doing on a day like today when we gather together corporately and we sing songs and we offer prayers and we approach the throne of grace boldly well here's a few things that have taken shape just by way of review that worship is an interaction that god initiates that we should see this as a response in our heart to the initiation or invitation of god now, I say that with the realization that many of us, we, we come into church in all kinds of different ways. I appreciate that Haley led us in that way to say, regardless of where your heart is, let's, let's, let's start getting aligned. Let's start getting our heart right, because that doesn't always happen naturally, but we are responding to an interaction that God initiates. Worship is an encounter that is dialogical, so we don't want you to simply sit. You're not simply there to soak you know, you're there to, to engage with and to respond to. So worship encounter that is dialogical. We see worship as a proclamation of God's works and God's character. We see worship as a celebration of God's redemption and restoration. And then importantly for us, worship is based on the finished work of Jesus. This is the new covenant reality of worship so you don't bring a sacrifice to come into the presence of God you come into the presence of God because of the sacrifice of Christ and then you offer a sacrifice of praise um, if this is true then it becomes very important for us to understand what are we doing in this space called corporate worship? And how does it connect to what we do in our daily life, what we would call our personal worship? If God is speaking, am I ready to respond? That is a heart question. If God is leading, am I ready to follow? That is a heart question. And if God is ready to transform my heart, is my heart ready to be transformed. And that is the crux of the question we're gonna look at today. Uh, Fred Hartley, we were, Amy and I were just at a conference that we got to uh, connect with Fred Hartley, College of Prayer, and I've mentioned him before, but one of his big prayers he talks about is, is God, increase our receptivity. The idea that when we come in to worship, when we come in to pray, we're coming in to encounter the presence of God, and then in the spirit of Hebrews 4, 16, we are receiving so that, that prayer actually, God, increase our ability to receive from you is, is a good prayer. In fact, it's probably been one of the most foundational things that has impacted my prayer and worship life 
uh, in a lot of, uh, in, a lot in the, in the last years. In fact, if you're, here, if you're tired of hearing me say it, because I say it so much from up here, it increases our receptivity. God, we want to receive from you. If you're tired of that, uh, you have to get over it, because I'm going to keep saying it, because uh, I'm convinced that that's a part of the journey. And it's a part of the reason that I went through a lot of my young adult life, and maybe a lot, a lot of you come through, through this thing, that worship is just kind of boring, it's perfunctory, prayer is, you know, just you snooze, you, you whatever, because you're not there to receive. And you don't understand the presence. You don't understand what you're actually invited into. So this idea of increasing our receptivity. So we gotta care for our hearts, and that's where I'd like us to focus today. If any of that that we talked about thus far is gonna come to fruition. So the three things that I would like to do as we look at Hebrews chapter three is ask you to look at this. Recognize the signs of hard-heartedness. That, it's actually not that difficult to see, but you often will need like a Holy Spirit kind of like wake up and see what's going on in your own heart. In fact, uh, to get through this message, there will be some element for some of us that are here or watching online that you will have to deal with your own hard-heartedness to even get through this message without just kind of a big eye roll or whatever else. So your, your own heart needs that attention. My heart needs that attention as well. So recognize the signs of hard-heartedness, uh, connecting your worship and prayer lives intentionally. I wanna talk about that with you and then uh, committing to Christ-centered community, uh, which is what we do when we, when we come together, when we gather together in corporate worship. So uh, the, the first part is this, recognize the signs of hard-heartedness. Hebrews says this, the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as they did in the rebellion. It's interesting because it, it seems to indicate that you have some choice in the matter, right? That you are, I mean, maybe I said it this way, you are responsible for the condition of your heart. There's a lot of things that are outside of your level of responsibility, so you don't try to control those things, and there are a lot of things that you cannot change, and you need divine intervention, right? So that's okay to say, well, I, need, I need divine help here. But you are responsible for the condition of your heart. The issues that plagued God's people in the Old Testament were heart issues. So in a general sense, you don't have to read, it's, it's not too hard when you read after they get out of the slavery and, and as they're going through and making their way to the promised land, you see the heart issues that come up again and again. In a general sense, the author of Hebrews is saying they were hard-hearted people, but it showed up in some pretty specific symptoms. You know, they were prone to grumbling, they were prone to disobedience, they were prone to despair, prone to rebellion, prone to resentment, prone to cynicism, and we can read that and pretty easily go, yep, I see that, yep, I see that, yep, I see that, I see that, I see that, all right. Now, I wanna actually ask you to just follow me for a moment. Um, I wanna read those words again. We know that the Israelites struggled with that. It was a part of God's people's journey. Um, I wonder, though, if the Holy Spirit would say to you, like, wait a minute, that actually is showing up in your heart recently. Um, and just because we're family here, just be like, yeah, okay, that, I think I, that one I can relate to. So if you see this in your own heart, just own it here a little bit today. Um, prone to grumbling. Shame on you. No, I'm not, that's not the point. 
We're not shaming you at all. Yeah, right. I mean, like that, that is, our, our hearts can do that, right? I mean, so maybe the Holy Spirit would say like, you've been doing a ton of grumbling lately, you know, and sometimes he tells me that. Uh, prone to disobedience. I've been there. Um, prone to despair. That one kind of stands out to me. I, I feel like there's, I feel like there's probably a lot of us that are like, man, just, I'm having a hard time finding hope, you know, and so I, I kind of get, I feel stuck there, right? Um, prone to rebellion. It's a pretty, like, you got to be bold enough to be like, that's me. <laughs> the guy that really is wrestling with that, he's like, but, right. uh, prone to resentment, if you dealt with resentment. Uh, this was a big one I felt like cynicism. How's your heart with cynicism? Does anybody kind of feel like, yeah, that can be my struggle. I can get cynical. I think that's probably my biggest one. I can get really cynical really quickly. Um, so I'm, I'm saying that, and I'm, and I'm asking you to own it a little bit here because, like, when we're dealing with our hearts, it doesn't actually help us to sort of make an intellectual assessment of somebody else's heart problem, right? You know, so it'd be very easy for us to be like, oh, the Israelites, yeah, well, they're so, how, how, how foolish of them. They should not, you know, I mean, we could, we could even feel really good about our own condition in looking at their bad condition, which is actually a symptom of our own bad condition. You know what I mean? So to actually engage with, so I'm not doing that to shame you. I'm not doing that to be like, oh, I had to raise my hand. I'm just simply to say that, like, our hearts are prone toward these things. And as we acknowledge it, it actually brings us into a place of help and healing. So just to, let, me, let me walk through a couple specifics. Ralph Wilson, Dr. Ralph Wilson, he summarized sort of the hard-hearted behavior of God's people um, in, in these ways. You know, Exodus 5, before they're even out of slavery, um, they become fearful because when Moses tells Pharaoh, let my people go, the condition of God's people actually gets worse, not better right you know it's bricks without straw and it's extra labor and now you know the, you, you, you've made us a scourge to them that's what they say to Moses and so they're responding in this like they're upset before they're even free they're upset about the process that's going on but then as they get out uh, Exodus 14 the people compl- you don't have to write all these down but you just read through it and you'll find these Exodus 14 the people complain because they fear that Moses has brought them to die in the wilderness Exodus 15 they're afraid because the water is bitter Exodus 16, they're afraid again because now specifically they're hungry. They get to Numbers 11, and it's not that they're hungry, it's that they don't like the food. You know, what you're like, oh, come on, you know. We're gonna die, we need food. Well, not that food, you know. Numbers 14, they're afraid to go into the promised land, and so they rebel and they, they resist. Numbers 16 and 17, frankly, they're saying, Moses, we're tired of your leadership. We don't want you to lead us anymore. I mean, that's, pretty overt showing some of the heart issues that are going on numbers 21 you get the whole gamut they're hungry they're thirsty they're tired of Moses leadership and we wish we could be back in Egypt right I mean if you if you want to underline the whole thing I wish I was back in slavery that's my level of gratitude that's my level of hopeful optimism for where God has taken us ouch right so I just I note a couple of things this is not it's it's noteworthy and so I'll share it with you number one it seems that fear and faith do not coexist well one is always pushing out the other 
right? And so, again, we're looking at our hearts. We're going to see symptoms even today of, of our own stuff. Sometimes that's rooted in fear. And so the right prayer is to say, God, increase our faith. Increase my faith because I'm responding out of fear, 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 right? That's, that's one note. The other note that I see here is that the, the internal determines the external. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Jesus said that in Luke chapter 6, 45. Right? And, and we see that, that that shows up all over the place, that the condition of your heart will determine much of the trajectory of your life. The, the things that you're saying, the, the, the way that you're speaking about other people, whether or not you would give someone the benefit of the doubt in the way that you speak about them when they're not there. Right? That's, that's all heart stuff that's finding its way out in other ways. So the internal determines the external. This heart stuff is important. The other thing, and this is just, I'm gonna, I'm gonna swing negative here for a little bit longer, and then we're gonna get very hopeful and positive about what God's gonna do with our heart stuff. But let's look at it here. The danger when we find ourselves in a hard-hearted state, and the reason where I think the author of Hebrews says this is important, this is important to encourage each other, you don't wanna get hardened by sin's deceitfulness, you don't wanna miss out, etc. is that we lose a lot when our hearts are hard. So the focus of, for, for example, the focus of God's work around us. We get to this place with a hard heart where we're like, yeah, God's not doing anything. God's not saying anything. God's not changing anything. You're like, eh. And, and then when, when the Holy Spirit wakes us up to the fact that our hearts are hard, all of a sudden we start to see, wait a minute, God's working right there, and right there, and right there, and right there, and, and all of a sudden, wait, God's working right here, too. So the hardness of heart can cause us to miss out on the work of God. Uh, a second thing that we lose is that we lose the joy of living with a thankful heart for what we have been given, right? And this drives us crazy when we see it in other people, and it's actually sometimes hard to see in and of ourselves. I'm not living out of gratitude for what I have. The hardness of heart is causing me to lament the things that I don't have, et cetera, whatever. So we don't want to lose the joy of living. And, and, and then, of course, that spills over into the loss of the witness of demonstrating our allegiance to God, right? And that, that's kind of the heart of what our worship is to be all about. You know, that we're displaying an allegiance to a God that we serve, even through hard circumstances. So we don't want to lose that through hard-heartedness. And then this one sort of shook me a little bit, I, but I think it's important, is, is that a hardened heart can cause us to lose the future ability to hear God's voice. You know, and, and Paul talks about that. That's another sermon we'll maybe get into another time. But this idea that, like, through a hard and calloused heart, I lose the receptivity to receive. And we just said a few minutes ago, like, the receiving is kind of the thing. I mean, that's, that is the point that God has more for us. So, like, we can let that stir a little bit. Let the Holy Spirit stir some things. But what do we, what do, we do with it? Um, I, I actually have really good news because <laughs> you already know the answer to this. What do we do if, if we find symptoms of hard-heartedness in our own lives? So you could look at that list, uh, you know, the, the grumbling and despairing, cynicism, resentment, whatever, and you say, man, I see that in me. I see that all, all the time. I see that every day. What, what do I do with that? Um, well, we draw near to the throne of grace. That's your choice, by the way. You, you choose, even some of you, you, you may be wrestling with it, you choose whether or not 
you will actually do that. There are many times, and I don't always get this right. Please don't hear me saying it otherwise. Uh, many, many times that I'm, I'm coming into worship, but I'm distracted, I'm frustrated, I'm hard-hearted. And I've got to make a choice when my emotions are not fueling an exciting experience or when my circumstances are not just kind of letting me coast into a wonderful worship of thanksgiving and gratitude and everything else. You know, I've got to make a choice in that moment of what I'm going to do with my hard heart. And the choice is to draw near to the throne of grace so that we may receive grace to help us in our time of need. The first choice is yours. The second part, that's the divine help, right? If you were able to simply say, I got a hard heart, I'm just going to fix it. Well, no, the hard heart is a symptom and a reminder. I need to draw near to the throne of grace so that he can fix it. And that's what we're going to give you opportunities to even look at today. So the, the, the first thing we're going to do today is just recognize the signs of a hard heart. The second thing is we're going to respond. We're going to connect your worship and prayer lives intentionally. Now, originally, that was, this was all that I was going to preach on. I was just going to say, hey, let's talk about connecting worship and prayer. And then as I was reading in Hebrews 3, I was like, I just think God's got some heart stuff he wants to do. But this is, in fact, the answer for the hard-heartedness that we deal with. Uh, Hebrews tells us in verse 6, if you back up just a little bit to where we read, but Christ is faithful as the Son over God's house, and we are his house, if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. So the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Now just follow me for a moment. If you hear his voice, that phrase, that assumes a few, I think, important things. It assumes that you've made your way into his presence. That in and of itself is significant, right? It assumes that you are able to make your way into his presence, which is falling on the finished work of Jesus Christ, the sacrifice that he's made. That's noteworthy as well. It also assumes that God is speaking and it's calling you to be a good responder. That is the nature of dialogical worship. The assumption that God is speaking and that we are called to respond. So that you will come into the presence of God through the gate of worship and you engage with him through the privilege of prayer. The message today is this. Don't silo those beautiful gifts. We do this. It's going to worship. We're going to sing a song. And now we're going to come over here. We're going to pray. I want to encourage you. As often as you are able, let your worship be prayerful and let your prayer be worshipful. There's a beautiful overlap and interplay that happens here. There's a lot of Sundays when we are gathered together, today was one of them, that when, I'm, when we are worshiping in music and we're singing songs, uh, I, I am oftentimes praying. And I'm praying that God would soften my heart. I'm praying that God would soften your heart because frankly, I don't want to get up and preach to a bunch of hard-hearted people. It's not fun. That sounds selfish. But I'm doing it for you. I'm interceding for you. I'm inviting the presence of God to permeate in a more tangible way. So we would encounter him. We would experience him. We'd experience conviction, experience new levels. So let your worship be prayerful, let your prayer be worshipful. And that goes into your 
prayer closet at home and that that goes i mean there's there's just all kinds of things like we're setting an atmosphere let, let me let me address this question though because we, we're in week three of this series and we haven't talked about this why do we use music as an expression of worship that's not all of worship clearly but why do we use music why art in general music has the power to capture our attention our emotion, our intellect. And, and I was thinking about this. That there's a reason why when I'm trying to focus in or I'm trying to study through things or read through things, there's certain musics that I will go to to kind of set an environment for focus. Now, there's also music that I don't go to for that. I don't want to be distracted from the thing that I'm trying to do. But I'm pounding through reading or I'm pounding through prep or some thoughtful work, and oftentimes we use music I look at Old Testament examples when uh, Saul, not, not the, the Apostle Paul, but King Saul in the Old Testament, when he would be tormented demonically and there was sort of this comfort that would come when David would come and minister to him and David would say, well, bring me a harp. Why was that? There was something in the aspect of the music that was kind of catching the spirit of that moment. And it, and it strikes me this, music is powerful. Um, and, and because music is powerful, we also have to be careful that we don't idolize it, right? That's why it's such a tragedy when we say things like, well, I could never really worship God in that style of music. Like the tragedy of that is I'm taking this thing that's powerful and it's important and it's good and it's a tool to help use it, but the point of worship is that we're drawing near to the throne of grace. So we don't want to minimize it by saying, well, I don't, I don't want to do it that way, <laughs> Right? I mean, I, I, if, if, you, if you changed it for me a little bit better, th then I would be able to do that, right? So this idea of getting beyond preference and getting beyond our thing and understanding what we're doing, don't idolize it. So, so why music? Well, instead of mechanically bringing a statement of affection to God, we tend to search for deeper mediums to convey the truth statements as well as the depths of our adoration, and as I was thinking about this, this is kind of the heart of good poetry, right? Uh, Edgar Allan Poe, I've never quoted him in a sermon before. Uh, but he has a beautiful love poem, Annabelle Lee. Does anybody know that love poem? The stars never rise, that I see the bright eyes. That, I mean, it's just beautiful expression. And I realize when I read that beautiful love story, he could have simply said, my wife died and I'm sad. But he doesn't. He expresses it poetically. He uses language. He expresses his longing and his heart and his passion, his affection, and he finds a medium that goes deeper than the mere statement of fact. And I think that too is a key part of worship. I think, so here's a, here's a heart thing that I also realize, why we sing, because singing is expressive. Um, there's a lot of places that we don't sing. You, when you think about this, like there's a lot of things that you do in your life that you don't just sing. I mean, you don't, you don't go to the grocery store and say like, I love these graham crackers. You know, people are gonna be like, clean up aisle five, like this person is crazy. But why don't you do that? Because that level of adoration does not merit a medium that reaches to the depths of your soul. And God's saying, sing me a new song. And the, and the psalmist said, I, I sing in the company of the, the people in the tabernacle. They're, they're talking about these things, all of the psalms, so much. They're laden with emotion because they're drawing us into the depth of the, the heart. 
And, so, and, and here's where I'm going with this, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump off it because this is a sermon and a half for maybe another time. You know what Jesus said about people who are forgiven much? You know what he said? He said they love much. And the context in which he said that was he saying, people going like, why is this person acting so extravagantly? Why are they so emotional? Why are they so whatever? And Jesus' response was, well, I think they understand how much they've been forgiven. I think that the, the crime of dryness in worship in the evangelical church or even in your own prayer life is that it shows us how much we don't understand what we've been forgiven. We don't understand the depth of the sacrifice. And I could go on and tell you stories, but I, I, I'll, just, I'll just say that. Let, let the Spirit convict you that maybe the dryness that you have experienced at times in worship comes down to saying, maybe I just don't fully understand what Christ has done for me. Because for him or her who has been forgiven much, we love well and we love much. Um, yeah, that's good. Um, so we, I, I want to encourage you to, to connect your worship and your prayer lives. Um, I, have a, I have a list for you. I'm just going to do it sort of quickly. It, this is sort of a special thing in our, in our staff time just this week. Uh, one of our staff members, Pastor Seth, he was bringing this devotional for us, and I was like, this is kind of what I'm talking about, the connection of prayer and worship, and um, let me just do it sort of quickly for you. This is from Paul David Tripp, New Morning Mercies, and he says that prayer is abandoning all other objects of worship and giving myself to the daily worship of God alone. And, and there's some things that happen. This is why I'm gonna encourage you to overlap your worship and your prayer life. Let your prayer be worshipful. Let your worship be prayerful. Here's seven things that prayer does. Prayer acknowledges God's existence. And there is something more ultimate in the universe than you. So when you come into prayer, worshipful prayer, and you're lifting up the name of Jesus, you're acknowledging the existence of God. Hebrews 11:6. we talked about that earlier. You must first believe that God exists that he earnestly rewards those who seek him. Prayer bows to God's glory. We're acknowledging that no created glory will ever satisfy the heart of one who prays. Prayer submits to God's plan. We're not asking God to endorse our ideas or plans. We're submitting to him. Prayer confesses allegiance to God's kingdom. This is such a big one. There is a war between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of self. When you come in through the gate of worship to the place of prayer, you are promoting the kingdom of God. And so God does some rearranging in your heart to get you out of that kingdom of self mentality. Prayer rests in God's provision. It's not spoken in panic, but a spirit of trust and rest. Prayer celebrates God's grace as we stand in awe of what he has done. This is the essence of worship. And prayer commits to God's work. We need wisdom and strength for the day and the tasks ahead of us. So that, that open invitation to know God has things for you. So when we pray and when we worship, when we combine these things, what we're doing is we're preparing our hearts for the task ahead. So this morning, when you think about environment and what music does, I was up early. I was taking God up on the invitation before I got out of bed this morning. It's probably five in the morning. I was awake earlier than I even wanted to be. But I said, God, I'm going to invite you to be a part of whatever you desire to do through me today. Because I know there's tasks ahead. 
I know I've got to get up in, a couple, in front of a couple hundred people and I've got to preach and I need God's help to do that. So I'm inviting him in prayer. God has things for you to do this week. I was interceding for you and, and sort of that spirit of worship and intermingling worship and prayer. You know, just simple things. It doesn't have to be rocket science. I was literally like ironing my shirt this morning and I threw on Radiant TV. Our kids sort of laugh at Radiant TV. It's just nature pictures and Bible verses and music. That's all that it is. So I like threw that on. And I was just worshiping. Just in the spirit. Just praying, worshiping. Let your prayer be worshipful. Let your worship be prayerful. It doesn't have to be hard. All right, I've said enough on that. I'm gonna go to this last one. Commit to Christ-centered community. So Hebrews says, see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Heart stuff we need to deal with. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Encourage one another. We help each other. Your faith builds mine. Your worship sharpens mine. How does this affect what we do when we gather together for worship? Well, we're listening for the voice of God calling us in. We're declaring together the work and the character of God in what we proclaim. We're taking time even when we pray. The author Rory Nolan, who I referenced last week, he said it drives me crazy when pastors say, let us pray, and then they do all the praying. And some of you have perhaps not had a worship background or experience where prayer would be a part of it. By God's grace, we need it to be. And we need you to be engaged with that. That as the people of God come together, it's not odd for us, it's not weird for us to say, we pause to pray, we pause to listen, we pause to respond. This is the dialogical nature of worship. We hear God's word equipping us, correcting us, building us up. We hear God's word sending us out for the tasks ahead. The reason that we make time for prayer in the context of worship is not because we're looking for a way to fill up four minutes in the order of service. It is the dialogical nature of worship inviting a powerful encounter of receiving and responding. This is the essence of prayerful worship. This is the greatest antidote for the heart in need. So that's why, and some of you are saying, I, I haven't quite got over my hardness of heart yet. I'm still feeling cynical. I'm still feeling distant. I'm like, eh, I'm not ready to go in. What you need more than anything is prayerful worship and worshipful prayer. Because you need to encounter the presence of God. So we're going to give you a little bit of space to do that. Just give a little bit of space. Deal with, with your heart. Give some space for God to work. Uh, I'm, I'm going to ask the worship team, can you guys come on up and and get ready to lead us. And um, let me just ask you, as you are kind of assessing and the Holy Spirit maybe stirring some things in your own heart, I wanna give you an encouragement as you make this assessment. I hope that you find at least one place where you say, I need a little heart work today. Because that's how we grow. That's how we grow. And if we can get past our cynical nature and our pushing away and all that kind of stuff, we can actually invite God in. So like that's, that's the encouragement. I hope that God has shown you maybe one place today. Uh, in fact, just as an encouragement, and this is not even a every eye closed kind of thing, but if you would just say, yeah, I've got a spot. I've got something I'm working on today. God wants to work on me. Just raise your hand. Yeah, good, 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 good. So lots of us, it's good. Here's the really good news for it. 
I will get um, disgusted, maybe is the right word, when I see, like the Holy Spirit wakes me up to something in my own heart, and I look at it, and I just go, oh, that's just, it's just ugly. That's just a mess. The beautiful promise is God is better at dealing with your heart than you are at dealing with your heart. You believe that today? Yeah. So like that invitation, come in and receive grace and help in your places of need, your time of need, is actually specifically not saying come into the throne of grace and fix it. It's saying, Lord, I can't, I cannot fix the maladies of my heart. And I love that Jesus is a great heart surgeon and he's super patient and he doesn't gasp. You know, it's like the thing you don't want your surgeon to do is like look in and be like, oh. <laughs> well, you don't want that. And Jesus doesn't do that. You know, he's, he's gracious with us. So we, we wanna give you some space to do that. And, and I'm gonna give you just a couple specific ones. These, these are just ones that God put on my heart. God might have something very different for you. Um, you know, the, the prayer is, Lord, help me with my heart today. Help me with my heart today. Because a heart that is healthy will be able to worship. That's, that's kind of where we're going, doing a heart check. Uh, the, the words that came to my mind as I was praying for you and thinking about this is I suspect that there is some that would say, I feel really stuck right now. Like when I look at my heart, I just, I feel stuck, you know. And so the prayer is, Lord, bring the oil of your spirit just to loosen up stuck hearts today. You know, that praise can flow, that prayer can flow, that, that things can, can get moving in the right ways again. So some of you are feeling just stuck. I just sort of sense that. I'm gonna give you that space. Um, I, th- I think one of the big ones is, is the cynical heart. Um, and so if you're dealing with a cynical heart today, you're not alone. I certainly have been there many times. And so the prayer is, you know, Holy Spirit, you need to get some of this stuff out. I mean, cynicism will continue to just push away and dry up your worship. So Holy Spirit, I need you to take that out. And the beautiful thing is he'll not only take that out, but then to, to replace that with a sense of joy, replace that with a sense of gratitude. You know, again, we're talking about this is divine intervention stuff. This is, I can't fix that for you. We want to invite you to let the Holy Spirit do that. Now, the other word that came to my mind was flexibility, and that might be for some of you. Um, I talked to an older friend of mine a little while ago, and he said, Aaron, a weird thing happens. In almost every aspect of my existence, I get less flexible the older I get, you know. And so that, that notion of a flexible heart Again, the soft heart that's able to, able to receive, able to learn. You can say with a flexible heart, Lord, tell me where we're going next, right? Lord, teach me to pray. Lord, teach me to worship. Lord, teach me to respond well when you convict me. You know, so that's a good prayer as well. God, just help me with having a flexible heart. So anyway, this is not for me to dictate to you. These are some words that came to my mind. I just want to give you a little bit of space, just a few moments, just to say, God, I'm inviting, I'm receiving. I need some help with my heart today. And so we invite you to do that. And then we're going to close in a few minutes with a, with a worship song. But uh, Holy Spirit, would you help us now? Teach us to pray. Help us to receive from you correction where we need correction. 
uh, divine intervention where we need divine intervention. And uh, let this be an encounter with you in Jesus' name. Amen.